0: peace and blessings to you my name is jerry b i am the entree musician and so are you and so is this wonderful sister who's sitting to the left of your screen i'll tell you what this is her third time on the entree musician and You know why I keep inviting her on? Because she is awesome, because she is incredible, because I (laughs) respect her so much. She is not only an incredible singer and songwriter, she's professor of vocal jazz at Kent State University, now
1: turned author.
0: This is Maria Jacobs.
1: What's up, sister? Jerry B. How are you, my friend? How are you? (laughs)
0: You are on fire right now.
1: I'm grateful, thankful,
0: blessed. (laughs) Grateful, thankful, blessed. Hey, I got the I Am Grateful bracelet on, which happens to be the title of your brand new book. But I want to talk about that. But before I do, I wanted Mm -hmm. to know, are you back to performing now? Are you back on, on point?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, throughout COVID, I just, I mean, we were isolated and I did what I do. I isolate myself as a writer. So yeah. I, I, I was, <laughs> it was blessed time to write. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't climbing the walls during COVID because I had this great gift that God gave me to spend my time yes. with him. So yeah. I did a lot of writing and I did a lot of releasing and they started a podcast and I started a blog and mm. I both grateful author.com website. Right. And I did, lot of writing so i was you know we're really blessed you remember what it was like in the 90s when we started off there was nothing like this that's right we sat and prayed that we would get signed by a major record label now we pray that we don't
0: (laughs) there you go that's absolutely right
1: that's true (laughs) excuse me well i did do a couple live streaming concerts rock Wehrman, just brilliant piano player wonderful human being he had these uh, live streaming concerts from his living room called Live from Rock Wehrman's Living Room. So I did uh, I did two of those. Yeah. And then I did a bop stop um, live stream, total live stream. And now I'm doing a bop stop with a limited in-person audience and live stream. And that's July 22nd. Excellent. That's going to be it. So.
0: Excellent, excellent, excellent. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. I mean, you have always maintained a very busy schedule. You've never exhibited any burnout, but you've been just clicking away from the well, time I- that I've met you.
1: <laughs> exhibited would be the operative word in that sentence. <laughs> I, you know, I don't prof- I don't make my living and my money as an actor, but man, I have honed my skills. <laughs> Excuse me. I still have a sinus. That's quite Go all back.
0: right. Absolutely. All right. Well, tell me what was the impetus? And I, I know a little bit of, about what the book is about. I don't want to do too much of a spoiler alert from the host side, but what yeah. was the motivation of you crafting this book? It wasn't just because you were in a pandemic and you were holed up. There was a reason why yeah. God inspired you to write this book.
1: And he did. And the book was, the manuscript was done in 2019. So no, that had nothing to do with the pandemic. Um, you know, I started writing 20 some years ago when I was kind of in a little bit of a pit in LA. Um I I didn't have a place to live. I lost my job at the Hertz Corporation. I was in corporate travel. I was doing great and then September 11th hit and corporate travel just kind of Yeah. Yeah. And I just was doing wonderfully well there. And they let me go because mine was the biggest territory and corporate just said, well, you got to get rid of her and break up her territory. Mm. So I lost my job. And that was just the beginning of a real downhill slide. That was in 2001. I didn't leave till 2009. And it was just a real, real delicate, difficult eight years. Very tough. Anyway, I was at a crossroads. Do I go home or do I just stay here and white knuckle my way through I should have gone home then I didn't and a friend dear friend he and his wife um, invited me to to live with them for one year and uh got myself back on my feet but anyway while I was there before I left um I just started writing at that point I didn't even want to go out and sing Mm. I sat at the piano I wrote my songs I went to their computer I sat, you know, I made tea every morning and lit some candles and I just sat there and I cried and I wrote my brains out, you know. Mm-hmm. At that point, the book, I, I had no intention of releasing a book. I was writing cathartically. I was putting in front of me on paper everything that I had endured up until that point in my life, which was still, I mean, this bipolar disorder, I was diagnosed Um, In my late adolescence, so I was like 19, 20, 21 when things began to come to a head. And that's what the whole book was about. Honestly, nobody would have read it. It was about as depressing as anything you could have read. It was all about the downside. So I put it down. I wrote about 50, 60 pages. And I put it down and I thought, well, what what else do I write about? That's like everything I've lived through. And I just kind of came to the conclusion I really needed to live out the rest of this story if I was really going to tell something. And um, so you fast forward now. I'm living in Cleveland. I'm very grateful. I'm out of L.A. after some difficult times that I expressed in the book. Awful situations. And I was just driven to my knees, you know. Mm. And that's where God really found me. Not that he ever lost me. I think it was the other way around.
0: Understood. Understood.
1: So I just, I had a supernatural experience and it was, it was amazing and it was fearful and it was like, well, what do I do with this? You know, Mm -hmm. and I could talk more about that, but for now, for now, I just came home grateful, thanking God when I was happy, when I was sad, when I was irritated, when I was stressed, it was always, oh. This is so much better. Anyway, so thank you, God. Praise you. Thank you. And, you know, when you thank God, when the chips are down, that's when incredible miracles begin to happen. And everything went up, up, up in my life. Mm -hmm. Just so I was teaching at Hoban High School in the 2016, 17 school year, and I did really well there and I got paid well and I saved a bunch of money so that I didn't have to have a job in the summer instead i went to starbucks every day i'd been cleaning out my office i found that depressing manuscript i found it on on those little floppy disks you know yeah, those right, right. And the little three by fives right i yeah. found them on the three by fives, and then i found the hard copy obviously and i read through it and i'm like you know this really needs some sprucing up so i said let's just see what happens and i went to starbucks every day drank way too much coffee <laughs> that and i just i wrote i would spend five six hours at star i get there at like 10 in the morning mm-hmm. and i i wouldn't leave until like four or five wow. and i just sat there and i wrote and i wrote and i wrote and the book became more it just kind of began to write itself honestly yeah, the, yeah. i mean that was just the holy spirit telling me yeah. you know what good for you you waited and now we really have something to talk about so let's just tell people what i did for you and and that was my supernatural experience years prior And I finally started to write about it and I wrote about it in the book, which took some courage because, you know, I was in the thick of bipolar disorder. I had just been out of inpatient treatment the second time in six months. They did not get it right. I was not with my Cleveland Clinic doctors. It was not great care. And so the book became grateful because I was so grateful because after what I had gone through, what God pulled me out of. You know, there's that expression that God will never give you what you can't handle, yes. and it, yeah, but it's not 100 percent accurate. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, God will allow what you can't handle because we are supposed to seek Him to come in in our weakness. Mm-hmm. What Corinthians verse is yeah. that, right? I I yeah. will rejoice in my my, my grace is sufficient. Paul yes, says, yes, 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 yes. That my, his grace is sufficient, yeah. therefore I will enjoy rejoice in my infirmities, and mm-hmm. because it is in my weakness where He is strong. I'm really paraphrasing. I haven't memorized. Oh, no, no, but
0: that's good. That's the but word you, anyway. That's right. the word. Yeah,
1: I could not handle anything I was going through. I messed up everything. Mm-hmm. So you know, at this moment where I was just you know paralyzed with fear and everything else, He just kind of came in and said this is how this is going to (laughs) go. I've watched you suffer now. It's here's what I want you to do it. But at the time it made no sense because I was not clear and kind of filed it away in my tickler file. And, um, and this, the book just became a Christian memoir. It wasn't a Christian memoir before the whole book now is, is just glorifying God, quoting scriptures that I do take to heart. You know, my goal is to read the whole Bible this year. I'm doing the, and those journals and things, but um, you know, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I know the scriptures that have helped me tremendously. Absolutely. So the it's just a Christian book. It's it's it just glorifies God for for what He did that I couldn't do for myself.
0: But I would venture to say, uh, you know, we we're both uh, men and women men and women of faith. Uh, but I would venture to say, in the excerpts that I have uh, read, and I haven't read the whole thing yet, but this book is not just for Christians. You know, especially in some of the struggles that you had with the, you know, bipolar and whatnot and and the ways that you interacted with your family and and just going through those travails. This book will be encouragement for anyone.
1: That's the goal. That's the goal, because Mm -hmm. it's it. You're right. It's it's not just for Christians to read. There's plenty in that book that I do long before I had my my uh, Christian renaissance, if you want to call it Mm -hmm. so there's a lot in there that just details what I went through and how it manifested in my life. You know, I, I kind of had a dual diagnosis. There was like psychosis. There was the movie, beautiful mind. He was schizophrenic. Okay. So there were, I mean, it's, (laughs) it it is difficult to talk about because many people are going to chalk you up to just, well, that's, that's crazy. But I had a dual diagnosis that was, they called it schizoaffective disorder. It wasn't schizophrenia by definition, but it was very difficult to treat because there were bipolar is an affective mood disorder. It's severe mood swings. That's that's what manic depressive illness is. It does trigger thoughts that are not right, but to the degree with me, it kind of went off the bipolar charts into this other area where there was a lot of psych. Oh, there was a lot of psychosis. I mean, I I talked in my book about how. You know, I used to drive around at night in Cleveland in like 1990, and I was convinced that there were people waiting for me somewhere. I had to go meet people, didn't know who they were, didn't know where they were. And I'm driving thinking, I have to go meet this network. You know, it was just crazy. So I was driving through Cleveland on the freeway somewhere downtown And I kept going east. That's all I remember. I don't remember where I was. And as I drove down the freeway, there was this baseball park and the lights were on. And I thought, oh, well, that must be where they want me to go. And I drove off the freeway and I went into the dark parking lot of this well lit baseball park. And there were young people just standing around, drinking, having their night party. And I sat there with the talk radio station on, like I was waiting for instructions wow. it was very beautiful mind but that was 1990 and beautiful mind didn't come out until like what was it 2001 mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. so it wasn't like i watched the movie and convinced sure. it, there was no filtering going on in my mind where that would have been anything i had recognized from media of any kind wow. so it kind of would come home and tell these wild stories to my family well they took my keys away and well that wasn't a great situation right you can imagine How i reacted to literally being a prisoner in my own house but um i talk about it openly in my book because the people who spoke openly about it in their books kay redfield jameson and uh, patty duke Mm -hmm. you know i read kay wrote a book about she was a psychiatrist and she was in med school Mm -hmm. when she had these major manic episodes So she wrote this book called Manic Depressive Illness and the Artistic Temperament. It's called Touched with Fire. And she goes in detail all these great artists, Berlioz, Lord Byron, Emily Dickinson. I mean, all these great artists, poets, musicians, and just details everything that they went through. Wow. And then she wrote a book called, um, what was it called? Uh, Memoir of Moods and Madness. I forget the big title. That's the byline. Anyway, that was documenting her life journey with bipolar disorder. And I read it cover to cover. And I read Call Me Anna by Patty Duke, who was very open about being bipolar. And she had a lot of difficult times. You know, she used to show up to the set in Hollywood and, and like literally trash it on a manic high. It was, wow. it was I'm not laughing because it's funny, but it was just sure. when people wrote in detail about what they went through, that was like me saying to myself, well, you know, it, it Validated what I went through. Yes. Because the, there's a big element of disbelief in the people you try to talk to it, right. talk about. So, reading these other stories, I went and I said to myself, Oh man, I, I went through that. You mean that was real? Other people went through that? Oh my yeah. goodness. So, it, it kind of gave me validation to start. Mm-hmm. And then years later, it gave me courage to be able to write about my stuff and i thought you know what i'm well i've been in remission for years mm-hmm. and things have gone great I, I can't say everything has been a perfect walk but my work my relationships my faith none of those things have suffered yeah. with these little you know little chinks in the armor every now and then sure. so my most recent blog that i just published is called uh no one said remission would be easy <laughs> take that for <laughs> worth but um Yeah, I just thought, you know, if if people can read my book Mm -hmm. and they can see what faith did for me, that's great. But if they see that I went through the things that they're probably going through, if you're going to pick up a book about bipolar disorder and who lived it, chances are you're doing that because you're going through it or you know someone close to you who's going through it and you just want to understand better. So, you know, not really wildly episodic and going through it. Mm -hmm you want to tell people you want to deal from your strength and you want to say, right. listen, I got through this. I got tremendously through this and Jesus was a major player in how yes. I got through it. Yes. You know, if you haven't found Christ yet and you want to read my book, it's still going to be helpful to you. I think like absolutely. you said, it's not just for a Christian walk, you know?
0: No, absolutely. Now, the one thing that I was very curious about is how you were able to, um, balance, if that's the correct word to use, your singing career and what was happening in your career artistically while you were battling bipolar? I mean, yeah. was it just all, um, you know, were you able to compartmentalize or what no. was that like?
1: No, I went out very sick. I, I mean, I, I was out singing in clubs at Ohio State University because I couldn't concentrate on my studies. I flunked spring quarter of, I think it was 1990. Mm -hmm. And it was just uh, devastating. I flunked winter quarter, went home for spring quarter, Mm -hmm. and uh, tried to get myself together. At that point, my family was in denial. They they didn't want to face that there was something very real going on. And the doctor, I had a psychologist at the time, and he was telling them, you know, hey, man, she's bipolar and she needs medication. And they, my parents, would not have it. So, I, I mean, I went about my life. I went to therapy, but I went out and I sang. I mean, the, the whole world was just a, it was just a dark cloud. I never, I never had a clear thought. And I'd go out and I'd sing. And, you know, music is therapy. But sitting at the bar, even though I didn't drink at the time, I wasn't drinking, wasn't a yeah. drinker in my 20s. Mm-hmm. So uh, sitting at the bar, having these thoughts. Of just, we'll just say a blanket word. We'll just say negativity, in incoherent, not based in reality thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody looks at you sideways, and you've got a ten-year backstory on, on on what brought you to that point. You know, it's. And then I'd get up to sing, and people would clap, and I would be well received. It was addicting. I mean, that oh. was like that was like my that was my oasis. And I, I think I kind of worshipped the music more than I worshipped God at the time. I mean, the disease told me He wasn't listening. I couldn't feel the Holy Spirit. I cried through mass, eventually cried through Protestant services that my that my church that my music took me to. Yeah. It was just not a connection, and it's very painful when you sit in church and everyone's praying and feeling the Holy Spirit, and you're sitting there going, "Why don't I feel anything?" This sucks, and I just stopped going to church. You know, so. I had to learn to love the giver more than the gift. Mm, yeah, that's that's, that's where I am today, right? That
0: is so good. Now, tell me about your family then now, now that you have published a book, now that you have dealt, uh, you know, by God's grace with yeah. uh, the recovery and the remission, how do they feel now? Do, what, was there some tears for your family to kind of walk through the chapters of the book?
1: there were tears i know ne- i never there are two occasions when i saw my father cry in my life he's the most upbeat person i've ever met never in yeah. a bad mood yeah. when his mother died my grandmother and when they came to the realization that i needed medication mm. i mean the look on my when my dad heard me talking and then started putting it together what the doctors were saying and what he was hearing out of me the look in his eyes and the tears in his eyes, that was almost as bad as what I was actually living through. Amen. So there, there were those tears. Mm-hmm. Now, are there tears of happiness? Well, you know, when my dad sees that I'm very successful today and he thinks back to where I was, yeah, he gets a little choked up. But, you know, my, my family was the one that went to the doctor, my, my brother, my sister, On different occasions, I was not able to listen to what a doctor was saying about Mm -hmm. what was going on with me. I was not Mm -hmm. able to process it. I'd have never known how to take medication if I didn't have a family that was holding my hand through the whole process, literally doing it for me, what I could not do for myself. There is the grace of God. You know, I mean, how many people, 99.999% of the homeless people we see on the streets, they have some kind of mental illness. Yeah. They lost a job they didn't have income saved and they ended up homeless yeah. and, and and there was probably a mental illness that kept them from being able to hold down their job. Yeah. So you know I, I was I was with the county for a while when I couldn't afford Cedar Sinai Hospital anymore. Actually I went to someone else in between and she was like a training psychiatrist, oh. not a psychotherapist. therapist. And then and then I went to the county. I mean, I, I had the poorest treatment imaginable. And what I saw there, I mean, I was without family at the time. Yeah. But they were like, they didn't even have family 3,000 miles away like I did. You know, I mean, I, I just saw people go through things, you know, it was before I learned to be grateful. But I should have been very grateful because mm-hmm. I saw people who like really had no one, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Wow, we'll speak to this if you wouldn't mind. I mean, there there are many uh, musicians, many artists, many creative people, as you said, you know, uh, just uh, Patty Duke being one of them, one of many, uh, but who are today either uh, dealing with a mental illness, uh, Mm -hmm. addicted to drugs or alcohol, having some other deep, dark disparity in their life. Yeah. and and you knowing that recording having a career um, touring you know how can you speak to the deepest need that they would have if they're watching or listening to this podcast today? What you know, what can you say to them?
1: I mean, I I am a devout Christian. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a Catholic Christian who has been to many Protestant services where I just felt that's just a gift from God that He allowed me to see other forms of worship than Catholicism, which I always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So and it's easy for me to sit here and say, it is true. I mean, it's very true. What Jesus did for me, he can do for you. You know yeah. what I mean? But mm-hmm. for somebody who has never been raised with Christ, doesn't know Christ, maybe, maybe hears Christians talking in a way that's unloving. Mm-hmm. I would just say to them, you know, Jesus never said to follow my followers, <laughs> you know, they <laughs> were, Beautiful. They were about as they were about as flawed a hot mess right. as as anybody that you're gonna find. Right? Paul ripped people out of houses <laughs> and murdered them before his converts solved it. so. Correct. Look, man, if if a cold-blooded murderer can find his way to Jesus and write, you know, what like ninety percent of the New Testament, That's right. people who don't know him or people who follow people who maybe don't express his word correctly <laughs> yeah. you know if that's all you see i would just invite you to kind of dig into some resources mm. listen to people who really got it together i mean somebody there were ministries that really helped me i listened a lot to that priscilla shire you yeah. know what i she's like my favorite christian author mm-hmm. and speaker mm-hmm. but how do you tell how do we tell as christians how do we tell people who don't know him never known him never had a desire to know him How do we tell them that he's the one that brought me out of this Mm -hmm. mess? How Mm -hmm. do we, apart from really learning, if you're really struggling, really learning about Mm -hmm. your disease, which you really need advocacy in your life to be able to do that. When I was in the throes of my disease, I couldn't do any of those things. I had to find some measure of a healthy functional life before I went like rabid, crazy, reading everything that I could about the disorder and about Christianity. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I, my answer to everything right now at this point in my life is Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's just my answer to everything. It's understood. Yeah. I mean, but my, I mean, you're, how, do you, how do you approach people who don't know him? We, we yeah. can't take a Bible at them, right? I mean, they have to have it. He's a program of attraction. You have to really want what Jesus Christ says. Absolutely. You know? Well, I, I believe, you know,
0: b- the tool that I use the most is unconditional love. I mean, you right. know, you have to love a person where they are. You know, before, yeah. be, I mean, I was raised in a Christian home. I went to uh, church. I think I might have been born in church. I don't know. My mom was just hardcore uh, yeah. Christian, my grandparents and whatnot. But at 16, I yeah. walked away. And uh, I didn't think the church was relevant to me and to what I was going through. And if you look at my life on the graph from 16 to 28, I was just on an incredible sliding board. But this is not my story. We're coming back to you.
1: But I want to hear more about that. Yeah. But
0: the the thing about it was during those 13 years, you know, uh, it was people who showed me love that began right. to draw me back. It wasn't people who were beating me on the head with the Bible. In fact, those who were beating me over the head with the Bible, I knew more Bible than they did because I was yeah. a leader and all
1: of that. So you can't tell me anything that I don't know. Shut up. You know what I'm well, saying? They didn't know God's word because I, Jesus didn't beat anybody over the head. That's exactly right. But
0: they were beating me pretty good. Now my mom, she never beat me over the head. She prayed and yeah. she was consistent with the fact that i know that the path you're on is not the one that the lord wants you to be on. and right. so it, you know i i i could tell my testimony at another point. this is actually our conversation yeah. for you. but i really went down some paths that i shouldn't have which included drugs, which included a lot of other incredibly yeah. evil things. Yeah. and that was God really getting my attention because the more that I was losing control, there was only one lifeline and you're right. The lifeline was Jesus. I'm not tripping on that. And the fact that, you know, Christian, I'm not that dude. I love Jesus Christ because he first loved me and the people who loved me most were able to point me to him. And they could see me in my weakest, darkest, most sinister time and
1: still show me love. I try to
0: flip that. And do the same to others.
1: That's beautiful, and that and that pretty much sums up what what Jesus is about, you know. Yeah. And he, I think, people really feel that they have to go through something or do something or qualify. We all know that, you know. He will do the qualifying. He will Absolutely. call you. Will qualify. He will equip you for your spiritual battle, which we all fight. I mean, I've yeah. I've been in remission for years, and I fight battles every day. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. They're not all disease related. I'd love to say every problem I've ever had, every misstep, every everything I've ever done wrong in my life. I'd love to say, oh, well, you know, that was all my disease. Much of it was, I will say. But, you know, there was a lot of stuff I just was, you know, we're immature, young in life. We, we don't know what life is going to offer us. We don't know. How, I didn't know how to handle anything in Los Angeles. I was from Brooklyn, Ohio. Yeah. What did I know about that industry? You have to be a certain kind of character and person to pursue that business much less make it in that business. And I I don't think I was ever any of those things. I think I had a lot of talent, but I never I, I never quite fit in and I worked with some really big players sure. who could snap their fingers and put me on the map. Right. I could have right. done any But they all kind of made it clear what they were looking for and they, you know, kindly said you don't have it. Nice voice. Mm. We really like your singing. Nice songs. Really good. Keep working at it. <laughs> Not, Not quite today. done. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> maybe, and it's say it
0: literally said it again. I think I lost your audio. I'm sorry. Oh
1: no, that's Wait, okay. They didn't I like do it. You just said, "I just i i said not now, honey. Maybe in 20 years, and I think we're coming up on that mark. Or oh, maybe <laughs> <laughs> so you can email them all back, right? <laughs> hey, remember me? It's been 20 years. My watch says it's about my time. Now. That's Absolutely. okay. I remember okay. you telling me in the first antra interview that we did you were kind of talking about how everybody plays follow the leader you know everybody kind of does the same things that we're told you need to do in the business Now i use i have a distributor and i use spotify and apple music and google play i mean i'm blessed to have a portal on all these digital platforms and that's great but you know i i kind of have a head for what i want to do now i have all these different platforms i mean i've been spending hours a day on my presentation i have a youtube channel for my book alone with christian right. New- my podcast about my book and that's called grateful book author you can also find it under maria eva jacobs yeah. but then i have my, my music channel that i started many years ago and that's just under maria jacobs that's my music so they're linked and my mariajacobs.com and my gratefulauthor.com, those are linked together and now i have all these podcasts i'm do- there's like this great independent podcast platform where if you know what you want to say if you know what your content is they practically do it for you Absolutely. you press the button and boom they're all over spotify and apple That's podcasts right. and and all these other platforms i was unfamiliar with because the whole podcast thing is new to me but you know little by little i'm trying to tie together all of these independent platforms and maybe they'll attract a bigger audience. Maybe they won't, but I'm doing speaking engagements. Now I reached out to NAMI, which is um, the national Alliance for mental illness. The Ohio chapters are quite big and, you know, they're interested in the book and speaking engagements, which is great. You know, I have alopecia, I've worn wigs for years. So I reached out to the national alopecia foundation and I'm just doing advocacy and looking for speaking engagements wherever I can go, yeah. uh, signed up as an executive mentor for the Young Catholic Professionals Organization, Catholic Writers Guild. I mean, I, as a writer, as an author, which by the way, I never asked God to make me an author or a college professor. So, you know, th- there's proof that he'll give you more than you asked for, you yes, know?
0: absolutely right.
1: All that traditional, I want to be a famous singer stuff. He was just kind of locked all those doors. I mean, it just wasn't for me. He had some other way to go. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying I don't hope my music gets heard on a larger level but sure. it's not it does not appear to me at this point in my life that it's going to be by the traditional way you know you, you
0: know that's that's really interesting that you say that because you know as you get a certain age and you're looking at the rearview mirror of your life and you're thinking yeah. what should have happened because you've so invested so much time, resources, energy into this being the thing, because this money. is what I want to do. And money. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, but it's really interesting that you have to continually redefine success from God's perspective, because what yeah. you think is successful is not what his plan was for you. Amen. And so I've, I've had to do that. I've had to step back and go, okay, well, what are you doing? Well, you know, I would love to do music 24 seven. I hear about it. I know it happens. I, I collaborate with people and that's all they do. God, how come you haven't allowed me to get on that on-ramp? Because why not? I could do it. That's where my heart is And God. You know my heart. And he's saying, but my purpose for you is just like you said, my, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. Yeah. Here's what I've called you to do. And once you take a step back and you go, okay, you know, am I settled and surrendered to his Lordship for me? And once that happens, then it clicks in. I don't have to be, I don't have to to be who he has called me to be in this.
1: Yeah. It's been great. it, It takes tremendous faith and knowledge of his word. As I, I preface this by saying, I, I am not a biblical scholar. I mean, there's, The way the Bible is written, I mean, the order of the books in the Bible is not the chronological order as to the way a lot of things happen, right? The book of Genesis kind of goes to the book of Job in a lot of, and there's all kinds of references. I mean, I'm learning how to read the Bible, but I mean, that's kind of a big feat. I I don't know that you start at the beginning and just read all the way to the end. Things happen out of order and prophecies all over the place. I mean, they want... I think we have to know him in our mind first, Mm -hmm. even before Mm -hmm. our heart, Mm -hmm. because to not know God's will and God's way is to step into. I mean, the enemy knows scripture backwards and forwards. He will, he will baffle you if if he can, if he can. So we, we re- I just have learned that, you know, we, we really have to know God in our mind. We have to really know his word mm-hmm. because people are going to come along with opportunities, n- not to throw them under the bus, but they're not all going to be right for mm-hmm. you, not all going to be right for me. Mm-hmm. And we have to be discerning as to, like you said, we have to just kind of go to God and say, well. This looks really great on the surface, but is this where you want me? Exactly. Is this really where you have me pointing and at all systems point to the word no, all That's the truth, making it paradigms that you see out there. Every time something finds me in some way, shape, or form, it it, it, it just doesn't work out for yeah. one reason or another. I mean, you know, those people, the really big players, the, the really big players. Yeah. I think they got to kind of dig your personality and what you're about before they even get to your music. Because sure. at, that, at that point, all the people they're dealing with are, are immensely talented. So why do why do really immensely talented people get turned away like by the thousands a day? Right. What are they looking for? They're looking for something in a person that they think people are going to connect with.
0: That's correct. Yeah. Or you hit it on the head so did, hard.
1: Did Damn, I? Damn.
0: Just one. You, you just did it like that was it. Nailed it. Because, I mean, you, you're absolutely right. It's not the talent. The talent is never enough. Your no. gift is not enough, but your gift will make room for you provided you have the spirit and the heart and the authenticity to yeah. be who you're created to be. And right. that's it. I mean, yeah. many of the things that I have worked hard to do and submitted for and auditioned for, what have you, what have you, yeah. uh, they've come to naught. But many of the things that just being Jerry, just walking, <laughs> walking through life, being who I am, mm-hmm. those things God have op- open doors for me, open windows for me and found me things I didn't have to audition for. This right. whole Entree right. Musician podcast and Tay Brown, we give him respect because he created an app on the Roku channel called Visd. invited me to it. The people wow. here in, in my locale, the local channel, Armstrong Cable, uh, yeah. Northeast Ohio, Western PA, they right. invited me. I, I wasn't looking for those avenues. So God has specifically for you what yeah. he
1: wants. And,
0: you know, be open to
1: him. You know what I, I mean? Had, I had a cousin in the record business. You remember the Daz Band and the Boku? Absolutely. Okay. So my cousin was Joe Simone. He was actually married to my first, my first cousin, Barbara Simone. Mm. You know, he started off in the record business with Tommy LaPuma. He worked for Mike Curb out in L.A., and he was the reason – you know, I became friends and I worked with Steve Cox and he just couldn't say enough about Joe. The reason they won a Grammy when they did was because Joe worked their record. Wow. He's the one that got them out of town. Yeah. So he was like my biggest advocate. He heard me sing in church, boom, brought me into the studio. He had North Coast Studios at the time and had me make a demo as a teenager, you know, of like three songs. And he was so encouraging yeah. and you know, I, he wasn't just with me. I mean, he, he had Herb Wilborn. He had a, a lot of wonderful artists in the Cleveland area that he was managing. He, I mean, he died suddenly, like yeah. literally. It was like a, I don't know, an aneurysm in his heart or something. Burst. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was devastating yeah. for my family, but it was devastating for me because he was like the one person in my family who really encouraged He was just convinced you're not going to be one of the millions who never makes it maria you got me and he's like but you know don't go to la boy he was like don't go to la where you'll just be another number do not do it you stay here you hone your craft and then here was the big takeaway that i did not believe he said if you're good they will find you man and i didn't believe it and when he passed away you know i my career might have been completely different and the careers of a lot of people in town who he was managing might have been completely different yeah. had he not passed so you know today i believe it but today right. there are platforms for people to hear I, I mean i didn't believe i'd be out singing in a club in cleveland and somebody was just going to walk in and sign me right there but you right. know that was always the dream every yeah. gig i was ready for i had this like delusion in my mind that maybe this could be the night this could be the night right
0: the knight in so, shining armor on the white horse he's coming to save you yeah
1: such an antiquated paradigm isn't it right yeah it
0: is. But that's yep. the that's what you tell yourself. This is yeah. the gig that's gonna do it. And this right. and he has the record contract or she has the record contract yeah. in her briefcase. She's walking <laughs> to the club with it. You know what I mean? Pull out the ink pen, it's gonna happen. How yeah.
1: many times? Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, it I mean, praise God that I never put my name on a contract. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those are I'm not sure. all <laughs> excuse me, I'm so sorry. Sure, you're fine. <laughs> Those are not all success stories. That's right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, I, I did have some experiences in L.A. I was singing in a club and uh, the producer from Groove Addicts came in and said, I really need somebody who can improvise. They were doing those new wave beds, those 1073 and 94.7 mm. in L.A. He goes, there's a lot of improv. They're all improvisation. You hear the music bed and you just sing and I need people who can do that. Yes. I mean, there's a good example brought me into a club and. And the recording session went great and he loved him and everybody loved him, but it was very oversaturated. And they, they had a lot of people, different people in the station brought their singers in. Mine never made it to air. I mean, you can hear them. They're on my channel. They're on my website. It was just an example of bad timing. Yeah. The yeah. tape was great and I got tape out of it, but never made it, never made it to air. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of near misses <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> while I was out there. I got heard. And I, I worked with people and I recorded with people, you know, it was, I guess the path that God wanted for me would involve him a lot more <laughs> yeah. than that success route maybe would have brought him, maybe wouldn't have brought him the glory mm. that I would yeah. bring him. To.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with it. 100%. Um, I, I identify with that. Uh, we were talking uh, with a couple of entre musicians in uh, uh, previous Conversations about this uh, theory of rejection, and that you know, musicians, artists, creatives are so yep. sensitive. We're yeah. such a sensitive group that you know, yep. if someone says, "Well, I can't use you for this project," or that song doesn't work, or you don't have the right sound, or whatever, we seem to we seem to take it more personally yeah. uh, than we should. Than saying, "Okay, that was not the sound they were looking for." That's fine. Yep. That project also it's not for me because if it was, I would be there. Yeah. We tend to internalize that and we make it about us and not about the actual situation.
1: Yeah, well, I think our egos are, the, are what makes us so sensitive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To be told no means to have, you gotta have an ego in check so that you can just say, well, okay, so I wasn't right for that one. Now I, I catch myself when I talk to my college students, I have a lot of musical theater students in my jazz studio. Mm-hmm. And they're always coming in with these audition stories or these heartbreaks where they didn't make it. Some of them are in tears and <clears throat> <Yeah>. teachable. <clears throat> Excuse me. teachable. Hmm. Telling them things that I need to tell myself. I'm telling them, you know what? you just If you're going to be in this business, you have to understand how saturated it is with brilliant artists. And you have to know that every no that you get is bringing you closer to the yes that yes. you need. There's no other way to look at it.
0: Exactly. It's hard to
1: tell at 20 years old, it was hard to tell me at 20. And today, <laughs> right? I think, you
0: know. No, you're absolutely right, because, uh, wow, you yeah, know, I, I could walk down that street. I wanted to ask you about your tenure at Kent State University, and that opened, how, how long have you been a professor there now?
1: Yeah, but it'd be nice if it was tenure, boy, I'll tell you that. I, I started <sighs> teaching there in, in fall of 2018.
0: 2018, okay. I thought it had yeah. been about four years or so. It's just about that.
1: Three years, yeah. yeah. Next year will be my fourth year, yeah. and the studio has grown. It's grown from five half-hour students. I think I had twenty-eight uh, last spring, I, twenty-five or twenty-six last semester, um, twenty. This semester has been consistently over twenty people. It's been I've been able to carve out a niche and a living for myself with Kent mm-hmm. State alone. But that's not the only thing I do. I also teach for Open Tone, which is a nonprofit organization run by chris anderson and i'm an instructor for them you know i'm licensed i have licensed k through 12 and they have me teaching at the emmanuel christian academy in the mornings in akron oh i see so i use my gen ed license in the morning and i put on my college professor hat in the afternoon and you know it's great (laughs) it's it's really nice he puts out a lot of a lot of uh, independent contractor platforms. He rolls a lot of things out, and I, I never dreamt I'd make half my income off of teaching for this nonprofit. So I mean, oh, God kept me. I mean, COVID was COVID was brutal. Yeah. Being a COVID teacher is a, a whole nother set of words. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> got half people on virtual, half people in person. I mean, crazy. Yeah, my mom, it's very—it's public knowledge. She's doing a, a pretty rapid decline with dementia, and as one of her caretakers and as her child, yeah, it's—it's it's a brutal situation. Absolutely. I left my husband. There were some tendencies there that were some <clears throat> unfortunate and very real triggers. That's all I'll say. Sure. So I left, and I was leaving a marriage, divorcing, getting annulled, mm. moving, selling my house. Moving alone. I mean, my gosh, they talk about the stress of moving alone. You know, it's it living alone for the first time in 14 years. God kept me through all of it. But here I am like at the end of all of this now. And I'm like, you know, that was, that was a lot harder on me. I, you, you push through, you get into your push mode. Right. I had five jobs and all of these things were going on. I really didn't have time for a meltdown. It was, mm. it was not on the charts. So, Now that things are slowing down a little bit, I'm just kind of feeling this. Whoa, man. Now I'm starting to feel what I went through all year long that I didn't stop to really process. No processing time. Sorry. Don't have that luxury, you know?
0: Absolutely. And now
1: I'm kind of finding myself sitting there going, man, yeah, I catch myself in tears sometimes. And Mm -hmm. that's what prompted this blog to be, you know, no one said remission would be easy. Yeah nothing i've gone through in the last several months which has been a little difficult none of it disrupted my work my craft my relationships or my faith so to that end i am in remission does that mean i'm not struggling nope no no i would love to tell people with bipolar disorder that remission means you're never going to have trouble a day in your life or as christians who really give their life over to god you know, I, wouldn't you love to tell them that everything is going to be, you know, roses and daisies for the rest of your life? No, we You'd all be always-
0: lying to them.
1: Right. <laughs> Good luck with that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I I'm so grateful for our friendship. First of all, uh, you yeah. were a true sister to me and uh, I don't know when we met. I, you keep telling me it was it was early nineties. I I don't remember. It was where we had lunch in Cleveland. And, um, you know, I, it might've been a jazz fest. I don't, I don't recall, but I do recall this. I do recall. There's not been an opportunity for us to talk where we don't always pick up where we left off. And it's just the most natural organic vibe and relationship that I've ever had with, uh, such a blessing. Yeah. Great. Grateful. Now, was there a, and remember if you, I'm going to ask Maria another question, but remember if you are a subscriber to the Entree Musician, she's going to hang out with us after this conversation is done over at the backstage. And you can listen to that conversation because we go a little bit deeper than we do here. And we went deep here, but we go. I
1: don't know if I remember. (laughs) (laughs)
0: What else else is there? But but, uh, all you have to do is log on at theentremusician.com, click on the backstage pass, register. There are four ways you can join us, either as a uh, follower, a fan, a friend, or family member, and you get access to all of this material, resources, and even collaborations if you want access to that as well at theentremusician.com. But For now, to close this conversation, I always ask Maria, perhaps, and you've been on a couple times, so you may know the question that's coming. Since you and I have had these conversations, perhaps there was a question that you thought I was going to ask you, and I haven't asked, and you wanted to answer that unasked question, what would that be?
1: Well, I would love to just be a little more detailed about where you can find me out there as I tell my story, uh, as I release my music. Um, You you can access everything about me through Mm MariaJacobs.com. Every link that you need on me is through MariaJacobs.com. There's a portal that'll take you to GratefulAuthor.com where you can read excerpts of the book, where you can hear the podcasts. The podcasts are available on Spotify and Apple Music, just to name a few. If you search Maria Eva Jacobs, you'll find my podcast. And I'm about to do my second one. First one is out there already. So I just, I guess I would just invite people to really seek out these podcasts and the websites because I'm really putting myself out there. And I really, I want to gather a community. I want to gather a community that's not just going to listen to my music but also hear me be an advocate for some very difficult stuff. That's become a very big part of my platform. Something I want to, I don't want to let that go. Even, even for that singing career, I thought was the kind of singing career that I thought was everything. I really want this whole package to be an entire package. So, you know, if someone rich and powerful says, Hey, come on board with me. I like what you do. That's great. Yeah. I just I don't want to see any leg of what I'm doing right now chopped off for the other. It's very important to me. I'm kind of a package deal now. Mm-hmm. I'm not as one-sided as I was 20 years ago. So it's very important to me sure. that people all that when they when they hear the name Maria Jacobs. That makes sense. That
0: makes sense. And you continue to grow. You continue to expand. Maybe the next time we talk to you, you'll yeah. have uh, your second book out, or maybe you'll be writing the screenplay
1: for the Maria well, okay. Eva Jacobs story. You never know, well, right? Tell you, the book is not published yet. It, it does rest with one of the top 10 Christian literary agents in the country, Got but it. it is not published yet. So these podcasts are like peaks into the book. And my blog peeks into the book Uh, and the website peeks into the book. Hopefully enough people will get those little peeks. And then by the time it's published, they'll run out and buy it, you know?
0: Absolutely. Well, the word you used that I like was building that community because yes, there are. And sometimes when you're in the throes of a particular heartache, you think you're the only one, but there are other people who are struggling as well and need your story. They need your testimony. They need your spirit so that they can engage with that and that will help them. So, thank you for being who you are. Thank you for the spirit that you have, the generosity. I mean, it's just been a blessing to me for sure. Okay. Thank you, Jerry. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, peace and blessings to you. My name is Jerry B. I am an entree musician. That's Maria Jacobs. She's definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, an entree musician. But you know what? (laughs) So are you. you. Thank you for joining. We will see you again next time. God bless
1: Right on.